98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. By the way, not for nothing, as my friend Gambo would say. Not for nothing. Albert Pujols came this close to 699. Oh, come on, man. This close. Look, at this point, i got to be honest with you. I said this to my wife today. She goes, you think he's going to get it? You think he'll get 700? I go, yeah. You know why? Because I think somebody's going to throw him some meatballs here. If it's, if it, I think he's going to get a couple of meatballs. Final week of the season? I, I, I think sure. he's going to get some. Prove one to him. Why not? Here's a 90-mile-per-hour fastball. Do what you want with it. Center I think he's so right close yeah. that somebody, out of respect for him, I think he's going to get a couple of easy fastballs to uh, him. I don't disagree with that at all. <clears throat> but he is still at 698. He came really, really close. Close, though, against the Pirates moments ago to number 699 on the season. It's Thursday, which means we heard from Cardinals defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. And, man, there was a lot to hear about from Vance Joseph today, whether it was... Zayvon Collins and the way he played, whether it was Byron Murphy and the way he played against Devontae Adams, the update on Trayvon Mullen. But, of course, we start with Isaiah Simmons. And his reduced snaps against the Las Vegas Raiders. Here's what the Cardinals defensive coordinator had to say about those 15 snaps that he got. My biggest challenge is to get the right people out there versus the right people. You know, and that's that's going to be our challenge each week. But he played his butt off. I mean, he had a great week of practice after the Chiefs game. He was he was intentional in practice. He had great meetings, and he he played his butt off. Outside of the two plays he made at the end, he played really well in that game. You know, Waller's a big time target, and he held him down on third downs for us. But the two plays he made at the end of the game, no one can make them on our team but him. Let me follow up on that. For Simmons, he says, it's not about how he plays with the snaps he's given. It's a quality, not a quantity thing. I told him this. I said, listen, it's not about how many plays you play. It's about how you play when you play, right? You can play 40 snaps and play, you know, 30 dominant snaps. That helps us win, you know? So week to week, it's going to be packages to to uh, help us play great defense, you know, until we get our guys back. It's so tough right now to kind of each week figure out who's playing where versus their their people, you know, until we get Ham back and those guys going and get Trayvon going a little bit. So right now, that's my biggest challenge weekly. I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it because he is your first round draft pick, top 10 pick. You're going to put the, put the green dot on him. Okay, now we don't have a package for you. Like, you know, it depends on packages. It depends on. Pre- no, like he needs to be good enough to play all the time. He needs to be. I think it was more of a statement. We'll see. I don't think they'd ever admit it, but I would I would expect that that was more of a message to Isaiah on work habits and preparation or whatever it may be, and not just, yeah, we just we thought that there were a better matchup. Really? Why should there be a better matchup for a guy that was a top 10 pick in the draft yeah, for you? I, I, I get it. I'm sure they're trying to justify why he only played so few snaps, while at the same time trying to build up his confidence a little bit. Hey, man, that was great. More. More of that. Give us a little bit more of that. You, you can't tell me that they can be pleased that their top 10 draft pick from two and a half years ago was only out on the field for 15 snaps. I mean, that, I'm sorry, that's just that, that's just not part of the plan, right? I mean, that, that's not that's not how they envision going into this season, and anything that kind of come out of it after that is really, honestly, more spin than it is anything else. Okay, let's let's justify what we've done. Uh, now, Simmons, as he will all watch that number. I mean, I guarantee you, one of the things we're all going to be watching for on Sunday against the Rams. How often is number? 
nine out there? Where is he? Where is it? Not so much where he's lined up, just how often do we see him out there? We don't have a running tally of snaps in the middle of the game, but we'll all be watching with our eyes to see if we can notice how often he's out there. Because I think I think he's earned the right to be out there more, but let's he is. see. And I would he, assume he, he's going to be out there yeah, more. Yeah, and if he has a good week of preparation and a good week of practice and he's, and he's engaged in the game plan and everything, then he's going to play. And if he's not, then he's not going to play. But I don't buy this, you know, oh, it's just... We had a we had a be- we had a better matchup in this game. You did? Who? Tana Vallejo? Like who's your better matchup? Well, unless, unless he's so deficient at the things that he needs to know and the things he needs to do that they did have a better matchup because he just wasn't ready for it. But they want him out there. There's no doubt. Now one guy who was out there a lot is Zaven Collins. He played 100 percent of the snaps. And for Vance today, the difference between Zaven and the snaps he got and Isaiah and the snaps he didn't is clear. I think I think Zaven's role is always clear because he's a, he's an inside backer. You know Isaiah's a hybrid. He plays some safety. Nickel, he plays, he plays dime for us, so it's always going to be week to week with Isaiah where he plays. Okay, that's why he was drafted, that's his position, that's his body type, and that's that that's a challenge for us each week where to put him so he can make plays to help us win. And last week, it was it was a good deal for him and us. He went on to say that Zaven's progression from year one to year two, he's right where he should be. Absolutely. I've been proud of that kid. I mean, he's grown so much. You know, I mean, last year he was spinning, you know, but this year he's calmed down. He's asking the right questions. He's leading meetings, you know, after meetings. So he is right where he should be as a second-year Mike player. He's obviously talented, um, but he's going to grow and grow and grow, man. But he's he's very intelligent. He works at it. So the sky's the limit for this kid. He should be a good player for us for a long time. It's the biggest sign so far this season for the Arizona Cardinals is his development. It is the biggest sign we have. That is one of the most important things going into this season is that that kid couldn't be a bust. Okay, he had to be good. He didn't just have to play. He had to be good. So everything you're seeing with him and the way he's playing, what you hear in the coaches, it's a great sign. I think the most important sign, I really do, I think it's the most important sign is that Zabin Collins looks like he's going to be a pretty good player in this league, and they feel really good about him. I, I think it's it's funny in a, in, a, in a weird sort of way that it's almost reversed in terms of what we were expecting, right? Like, Zabin Collins is, he felt like the reach. He felt like the guy, ooh, they're they're taking an off-the-ball linebacker again. Isaiah Simmons felt like far more the sure thing when they drafted him. Far more the impactful football well, player. Clemson over Tulsa, Of course. Right? And Zabin Collins felt like the risk. And isn't it ironic if that's the right word we're looking for here? That here we are two games into the season and so far it's Isaiah that they're getting questions about, hey, how come he's not ready? How come he's not playing more? Why is is he not taking this seriously enough? And the guy that it's perceived they reached on is the one who's out there 100% of the time. Like, the roles are supposed to be reversed, but sometimes that's how it works, you know? I, I, what's interesting is just that, 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 that second year in the system, right? After going through two training camps, not being a rookie, the deer in the headlight, you ask anybody that played in the NFL, it's just, that second year is okay. I, I, I know how to prepare. I know how to... Everything from sleeping and eating to practicing, like you kind of get it down that second year. And a lot of guys will tell you they didn't have it down the first year. They really didn't know how to be a pro. Yep. And it, we're still waiting on it with Isaiah Simmons. One more update uh, from Vance Joseph today. This is on Trayvon Mullen, their cornerback who's getting closer and closer to making his Cardinals debut. Um, he's getting better and better. He's getting healthier. He's getting in shape. So we'll see. He's a guy with talent and um, he works at it. So we'll see um, what happens on Sunday. I haven't seen the injury report yet, the official one. 
one. I believe he was back on the practice field today for the Cardinals and he was out there. So maybe this is the week he makes his debut. Maybe it's somewhat limited. Big week going up against Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson and Huge. Tyler Higby. And yeah, it's a big week for the Cardinals and their secondary to deal with all those guys, no doubt. Yeah, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but the uh, and I can't wait to talk about it. One of the benefits for that secondary could be the lack of explosive plays by the Rams this year. When we come back, we'll talk about the Rams with somebody who covers the Rams. How different are these defending Super Bowl champs going to look on Sunday? We'll head to L.A., get some insight next year on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Outside of one regular season win in week four last year by the Arizona Cardinals, it has been very, very one-sided between the Cardinals and the L.A. Rams, including and especially that playoff game from January in which the Rams absolutely dominated the Cardinals. Now for the first time in the 2022 regular season, they meet. And joining us right now, she covers the L.A. Rams for ESPN and ESPN.com. Sarah Barshop joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Sarah, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show. We appreciate your time on this Thursday. Thank you. Of course. Thanks for having me on, guys. Well, what, what, Sarah, what seems different about the Rams this year compared to the, the success they had last year when they made their Super Bowl run? So I didn't cover them last year. And so for me, being here has kind of just opened my eyes to the way they run it, their organization. And actually, we were talking to Raheem Morris today, and he was talking about how every decision is made with the idea of culture in mind. And that's kind of what stood out to me when I got here is just the way that word is thrown around here, but it seems in a pretty meaningful way. Um, I think the biggest difference is just the offense and having Allen Robinson here. Now, obviously, in week one, the question after that game was kind of like, where is he? You know, <laughs> why, why do you only have two targets? But I thought we saw him get more involved in week two, and I think as the season goes on, it's going to be a really important part of this offense. Do you think that was like they, they recognized they should have gotten him involved more and they almost tried to nah, – I think he only had like five targets, if I remember, in week two, but they almost like overcompensated, overcorrected by trying to get him a little more involved early because they knew they made a mistake in week one yeah and Matthew Stafford actually even said that he was like you know you don't necessarily in a game try and get make sure you're getting the ball to guys but in practice and when you go through the plays during practice you want to make sure that he's involved because we know he's so important to the offense so I think he did I mean his first pass and his first touchdown pass both to Allen Robinson so I don't know if that will continue overcorrecting or if they'll just get more into a rhythm as the season goes on but I do think he'll be an important part of this offense this year. Lots of talk this week about the continued problem of the interceptions with Matthew Stafford. He's got five but he's always been a guy that's thrown a lot of interceptions. How much of a concern is it right now for the Rams? Yeah, I think that's a piece of context that a lot of people who are maybe watching from afar are missing is that he was tied for the league lead last year in interceptions. And actually, we talked to him about this yesterday, and he said, you know, it's a fine line between making sure that I'm making my throws, and as Sean McFay said, being aggressive, but still being smart. And, you know, you don't want to take, you don't want to take that away from him. You, you wanted to make the throws and the reasons you're paying him to be your quarterback. Um, he said, you know, Stafford said, obviously it hurts when I turn the ball over and it hurts our team, um, but I don't get the sense that they're all too concerned about the individual throws and correcting that, you know, maybe like, yes, that was a bad throw or I didn't make the right decision there, but not 
overall, hey, we're concerned about Matthew Stafford's turnovers. Is there a concern about the health as it relates to Matthew Stafford's turnovers? Has there been a lot of conversation? We know there was certainly a month ago. Has there been a lot of conversation about his elbow and how that relates to the turnovers? A little bit, um, but every time we've asked him or asked Sean McVay, um, the answer has been a resounding no. Uh, you know, now who knows if what they're saying publicly is how they, they are, you know, feel privately. But I actually asked McVay about that yesterday and he said, you know, I have to trust Matthew and he knows his body. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's that's not I don't that, that's been brought up and it kind of been shot down every time. Sarah Barshop covers the L.A. Rams for ESPN.com, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. We're looking at it from afar, but of course, we're very familiar with the Rams and, and this matchup. From your perspective and what you've what you've gleaned from the locker room and talking to the players, how much are guys like Vaughn Miller missed? How much are guys like OBJ missed? And, and how is it too early to even start wondering that? Or is their presence really the, the, the lack of presence really noticed there in the locker room? I think it would be noticed more if they had not brought in a guy like Bobby Wagner. I mean, I think he really has stepped into this leadership role. Every player you ask about that, you ask about Bobby, of course, they're complimentary of his footballs, but also just the person he is and how he acts as a leader. He was voted as a team captain before he even began his first season here, which I think shows you how highly you thought of here. So I'm sure they miss him in, in, on the field, um, especially with Van Jefferson gone. Uh, or injured right now and it hasn't played the first two weeks. But I think in general, that leadership role, which is where you would really miss those two guys, is being filled by Bobby Wagner. First couple of weeks, what kind of indication did you get on what type of running game the Rams are going to have? I know they've struggled over the years to, you know, with especially last year with Stafford to have those 100-yard rushers. But what have you seen out of the running game so far? You know, a lot of just inconsistency in how they're being used. We saw in week one, Cam Akers play 12 snaps. And then after the, you know, the next day, Sean McVay is saying, well, he needs to have some more urgency. Um, and then the snaps being, the carries being kind of split in week two between him and Daryl Henderson. So I think it'll be a while before we know exactly what to expect out of that, that tandem. But I think in general, they're looking for some, something there that they're not getting and I think if this offense is going to look like the offense we saw last year I do think it is important that I, I don't know that we'll know who the RB1 is I don't know if it will ever be Akers or Henderson and or it will just be the two of them and really splitting those carries like they did in week two um, but I think they're still that's a, probably a position you look at on, on the team and you say that might be an area you know their biggest area of weakness. Sarah Barshop joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Covers the Rams for ESPN, ESPN.com, as we're previewing the Cardinals' opponent coming up this week. This is sort of more of a, a general kind of mood question, and so I don't know exactly how to phrase it, so I'll just I'll ask it. it. It hasn't been the best of starts for the Rams, and I know we're only two games in, but the, the, the disaster on Thursday Night Football in the opener and then giving up all those points late to the Atlanta Falcons, you're there every day around that market. What's the mood of a of the fan base when it comes to a defending Super Bowl champ that so far has been off to kind of a so-so start to this season? I think winning the Super Bowl gives you a lot of leeway and wiggle room there. So I don't know that that I get the sense that fans are up in arms or concerned. Um, I will say I thought it was very interesting that Sean McVay came to the press, you know, his the podium after the game and said I know that I'm maturing because before the way we won and giving up that you know those points in the fourth quarter and how we played at the end of the game would have really made me grumpy and he said but now I'm just happy to get out with the win because 
it doesn't no style points right um and so i feel like the locker room in general happy to get out of there with the win and now they know there's two important contests coming up playing against a divisional opponent we 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 keep assuming that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to end up back with the Rams because of the success they had last year and he was at the game I think against the Bills is there any indication that that uh, when he's healthy that he could be an option for them Oh yeah, his his locker is the nameplate is still on in the locker room, um, and I've asked and they claim that they just haven't taken it down yet. But I think there's a reason it's still up there. Um, Sean McVay has been very public in his courting during press conferences of OBJ, so not a hundred percent. This will definitely happen. I don't think there's an agreement in place, but I do think if it makes sense for both sides when the time comes that. I wouldn't be surprised to see him back here. Yeah. Sarah, if you uh, are headed out to Phoenix for this game, safe travels. We appreciate the time as always, and we look forward to catching up to you in the future. Of course. Thanks for having me on, guys. Great to talk to you. you Thank too. you. Sarah Barshop joining us from ESPN.com. The L.A. Rams reporter covers the team on a daily basis. You can text us your thoughts right now on the FanDuel text line. 620-620 is the number you can text us. We'll get a chance. We'll read the best ones on the air as the Cardinals get ready to take on the Rams coming up on Sunday. Now, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the Sarver situation, at least as it relates specifically to Robert, is now in the rearview mirror. It is past. Does that mean we can solely focus on the basketball issues surrounding the Phoenix Suns? Because, hate to bring this up, there are some basketball issues we need to talk about. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Dave Burns here on the Burns and Gimbo Show, 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Of course, yesterday was not only the 21st of September, as we chronicled many times. Yes. It was also the day that Robert Sarver announced he was selling his shares of the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. Or the whole team. Or the whole team. Yeah, I mean, we just, we just don't know for sure which for sure. one it is. There are reports no. that he's got the right to sell the whole team, and, and that, that would seem to make sense that he would likely be granted that right as part of his agreement as the managing partner, but we don't know for sure. It's been reported that he does. So while we wait and watch and see how that process shakes out, I, I if the question is sort of what's next, I think David Aldridge over at The Athletic wrote about it really, really well today on The Athletic website. What's next is now Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Monty Williams and the whole crew, they've been spared questions about Robert Sarver. They don't have to answer those questions. They'll get asked, but not like they would have if nothing had happened. Happened. You know, they'll, it'll, to think that it's not going to come up, it's still going to come up at Media Day next Monday. It gets them off the hook a lot, though, but it gets them, it gives them way any, off the hook. Listen, I mean, I didn't agree because at this point now you can, you know, uh, you you could speak freely, like you could. I you, you could say if you're Devin Booker, listen. I mean, I have a great relationship with Robin. I really liked him. He's very helpful to me. But I don't agree with anything that he did. And I I think the punishment was just. And obviously, uh, you know, he's decided to sell his team, and that's his prerogative. So I think that we'll hear from those guys. But I think it does get them off a little off the hook a little bit for those that you know maybe felt like they wanted to be reserved in what they said. I'll still be curious to see how strong the reaction is from the players because they're still going to get asked, it's just not to the same volume that they would before. Does 
does Devin Booker make some sort of a statement about it beyond kind of the garden variety thing that you just said that he could yeah, say? Yeah, he had a close relationship with the owner. Right. They were very close, very close. I helped. I know that Robert helped him with like his first house here and uh, maybe some uh, some business. They, so that they had a close relationship. Well, we'll be interested to see what he says. Maybe more than any other person. I'm curious to see what Monty has to say about it. I I, I don't know uh-huh. why. I'm just very well, curious. He's, he's the leader. He's the leader and he's just so well spoken. He's just so intelligent in his words and he and he chooses them very carefully but he always says them in a way that makes you think he's really thought the matter out and he's really put a lot of time into thinking how he feels about something. I'm, I'm probably more curious about how he reacts but that's not the point. The point that Aldridge is trying to make is now all the questions can be about, hey, how did you lose to Dallas in Game 7? Right. Hey, Monty, you and Aiden, how you guys doing? Hey, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, why did you guys fade at the end of the playoffs? Now we can get back to the real. Yes. You know, forget Robert Sarver and the ownership and all that stuff. Let's let's press the Phoenix Suns on basketball questions versus ownership well, questions. Because you think about it, I mean, after that game was over, you had your initial, you know, media scrum afterwards, and then it was done. The players were done. You didn't see them again. They were gone. So, from that perspective, it's like the last time we heard from these guys was for a short, short time after they got their brains beat in by Luke and the Mavs. So, now you'll get back to that. Do you feel like you've addressed the issues? Did you feel like you found out what the issues were? You know, why did Devin Booker play so bad in game six and seven? Why did Monty not make the adjustments? What did, are you going to be able to get DA on the same page? How are you going to utilize him now that he's a max player? There are a lot of questions that need to be answered. This is still, okay, take the ownership stuff out of it. This is still a team with aspirations to win an NBA championship. And a roster that can do it. Mm -hmm. And a roster that can absolutely go do that. So it is interesting um, as we get to Monday, some of these questions and and how they're going to answer them. And I'm sure, I'm sure the biggest questions will be reserved. Basketball questions will be reserved for Monty on DeAndre and for DeAndre on Monty. And not that what happened at the end of the game was that big of a deal, okay? I, I, I don't. I, I, I they didn't did see address. It. They both addressed it already. They though. both addressed it in that ESPN. But, but, but that was to one reporter. That was to one outlet, and those were that the, the was in print, and that wasn't like a, a camera in your face, a microphone in front of your mouth, address it kind of thing. Uh, when those questions come, I'll be curious to see how they both address it. And again, I, I don't. I don't think what happened in that game seven was that big of a deal between the two of them. Blowups happen all the time. Sure, but the way the contract negotiation played out the way the future seemed uncertain now to your point he's a max player how are you going to use him are you going to use him different is DeAndre happy to be back I mean is he glad that he's here or or all of that stuff I think gets pushed to the forefront now and will probably make up a bulk of the questions that are asked on that day on that media listen he signed an offer sheet to go play somewhere else okay so at that point there was an opportunity that he might have gone and played for the Indiana Pacers but the Suns in about two minutes, the Suns matched the offer to the Andre Aiden, and they kept him. Now, in the end, in the end, when you could argue about money all day, all day long, but the Suns saved a lot of money initially. Now, down the road, yeah, I mean, they got him on a four-year deal, not a five-year deal, and they get him for less money. That they, it was always in the Suns' best interest that another team would sign him to an offer sheet, and then they would just max it because it would be less of a max than if they had given him their own max. So it saved them, what do we figure, about 40 to $45 million in money it saved them, Total. and one yeah. less year. Now, you could argue that it'd be better to have him under contract in that fifth year, but who knows? I mean, if they're not 
not if they weren't sold 100% sold on DeAndre now, why would they have wanted to wanted to why would they have wanted to spend an extra 45 million dollars and have him on the hook for another year? You wouldn't have. If they weren't sold on him, if, if they, they weren't, weren't if they sold weren't on him, for sure about him, and then and of course you know the trade, not the trade deadline. That's the wrong way of phrasing it, but the opportunity to trade DeAndre, how it pops back up. Um, I was, we just got. I'll take everybody inside this this thing here for a minute. Okay. You and I both just got a bunch of emails for uh, days that we're going to be broadcasting live at Footprint Center. I just looked at the dates and compared it to the Sun schedule. Oh yeah, one of them's the Brooklyn Nets game. I mean, we're, that we're January. Oh yeah, we're we're down there the day. Are you um, usually skiing around then somewhere? Uh, no, usually it's like February. February. Okay. I usually yes. like the week after the Super Bowl. I like to go oh, on yeah, a ski yeah. trip. Yeah, yeah. just to, just a, for a few days. And now that my yeah. kids living in Park City, Utah, oh, my that just goodness. got a, got a whole lot easier now that my son moved up to Man. Park City, Utah. Um, but but yeah, we're gonna be there that day when the Suns play the Nets, which is also conveniently oh about a day or two after the Suns are allowed to trade DeAndre Ayton. Now, does that stuff come up on Monday? I don't know. But but now, and it is kind of liberating when you think about it. Now that the Sarver situation is done, and I mean the only thing left to be done is the sale, is the sale, and to see who buys it. That's a big deal. I don't want to minimize it. We can really fully, completely, and wholly turn our attention to the basketball issues for this team. I thought, I'm telling you, for a quick second, I thought to myself yesterday, at some point yesterday, I don't know when, when Robert Sarver walked out of that building, Game 7 against the Mavs, could he have realized that that was the last time he was going to be at a Suns basketball game? Oh. I, I mean, wonder if like that just thought I just I thought about it. Did the did the thought ever cross your mind that this could be the last time that you will be in this building? I'm just gonna take a guess. I don't think he gave it much thought. I don't think he ever allowed himself the opportunity to believe that he wasn't gonna win this. I don't think he ever thought he was gonna lose this. I don't know him. But just based off of his statements, based off of what he had said, based off of kind of the, the confidence and the belief that he had projected that he had done nothing wrong, I don't know if that thought ever would have occurred to him. No. Walking out of that building, hey, this might be the last time because I don't— Six months into the investigation. I mean, the, the lack of humility and, and you know repentance that he's shown, I don't know if he really actually thought he did anything worth losing a franchise over. So I don't know if the thought actually went through his head, this might be it. This might be. I'm sure DeAndre, when he walked out of that building, wondered, is this the last time I'm going to walk out of this building? I'm sure he thought that. Based off of what we're seeing out of Jay Crowder, he might have thought this is the last time I'm True. walking out True. of this building. And, and if we're being honest about it, today's Thursday, media day's Monday, not that media day's a deadline. I'll be curious to see if Jay Crowder, A, is he on this roster on Monday, and B, what does he have to say about whether he thinks he's going to be on this roster before the regular season starts? Well, that, that becomes one of the big questions, sure. too. Well, there's always two things. One, I've always been of the belief that James Jones, if you don't want to be here, he, 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 he'll, he'll move you. Uh, but also, he's not going to just move you for nothing. Like, you know, you've got to, it's got to be a fair deal, you know, because you don't want to just give up Jay Crowder and uh, take back a piece that's really bad. I mean, because Jay is a valuable part of this this uh, the, this team. I mean, he gives them toughness and defense and uh, streaky, streaky three-point shooting. But if they, if they feel like, and maybe, listen, there's no question that his name came up in the Bogdanovich talks, okay? His name came up. And his name has come up in some other discussions too. Now, whether that bothers him or not, I don't know. I mean, he's a veteran player. It's been around his league for a long time. Like you, I think you almost should, you should be, you know, 
Teflon with that. Like you, you should be bulletproof with that. You should just like, you know, you you know that this is the way the NBA works. You, your name comes up in trade conversation. Listen, Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, even though the Suns never had any real offers with the Nets, their names were bandied about in the media all the time. Yeah, you would think he wouldn't be bothered by it. I, I get the sense that, oh, I wonder. I mean, I don't get the sense. I wonder if he gets the sense that Cam Johnson's going to replace him in the starting lineup. And that's why he's getting antsy about whether he wants to be here or not. You know, is he getting the sense that in an effort to change the dynamic and get more shooting out on the floor, that Cam Johnson will replace him as the starting power forward on this year's team and that Jay will be asked to take more of a bench reduced role and that doesn't jive well with him? I that's a guess. It's probably that's right. Just a guess, but that feels like that would be the right guess. Well, and I also think like he came here because he wanted the long term security. And now when you're down to one year left on your deal, am I gonna be here or not? You know? Has he had his pool party? Oh, the one at um was the, did the he have that pool party? Uh, I saw the, a billboard the other day, unless it was like long overdue. Was it the talking stick resort is that is that the one where he was gonna? They were advertising for it towards I, the end of the sun season. Yeah, and I've seen the billboards too. I like, saw the billboard just recently. There was gonna be. I, I, I would have. Oh, it's no, it's this week. Oh, is it this week? I think it's this weekend. Oh man. I mean, I've heard of trading guys like right before they have their bobblehead day. Can you imagine if they ch- trade Jake right Crowder before the pool party? Right before he has his pool party day. Or what about when Kelly Oubre did the entire photo shoot in the Valley jerseys? <laughs> That's right, and then he wasn't there to wear them. <laughs> the pool party is the pool party this weekend. The hottest pool party of the summer. Next up, September twenty fourth, hosted by Jay Crowder. Now I don't know. Maybe they've had several pool parties. I don't know. I heard they had to rebrand it as a future member of the Miami Heat, Jay Crowder. <laughs> well, you know, they don't have to throw pool parties in Miami. Book we your know that cabana sure. right now. Go book your cabana. You can book your cabana. Go get your cabana, Cam. Cam get Bo. some iced coffee, cabana too. Cabana, ooh, na, na. While you're at it, get some iced coffee. Na, 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 which, by the way, apparently cabana, we heard ooh, na, na. that they actually played on the morning. Oh, you, you are you going to spring that on us we'll, a little we'll later? We'll do that later. We'll do that a little later? Okay. Gambo discovering iced coffee about four years ago. You'll hear that. Was coming. that four years ago? It was only about four years ago oh when God. you discovered there was such a thing. The Coyotes ramping up for the regular season. They just extended one of their young forwards, Barrett Hayton. We'll Join us next here on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Welcome back here on the Burns and Gambo Show. John Gambadoro, Dave Burns, hanging out with you on this Thursday afternoon. He just got himself new contract extension with the organization. Joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, Coyotes forward Barrett Hayton, who joins us here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Barrett, welcome to the show. Congratulations on the deal. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, thanks a lot. Absolutely. Fifth overall pick in that 2018 draft, and uh, I thought last year was really a little bit of a breakout season for you. You know, you got your feet wet, you got some playing time the two previous years, but last year, 10 goals, 14 assists, you closed strong. Did you feel like last year was a little bit of a breakthrough? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it was definitely a step in the right direction, obviously. Um, honestly, the, the first three years have um, been so unique with, with all that's going on. And um, last year was great to, to settle in um, and, and take advantage of that, really uh, step up, take a step forward. Um, and I'm excited to build on that this year and 
um, yeah, really take another step. Yeah, and I thought, you know, you, you look, you had a goal against Vegas. You had a goal against Chicago. Obviously, two assists against Minnesota. A goal and two assists against Dallas. Uh, you know, when I said you finished strong, that's one of the things I think the Coyotes and, and Bill and everybody really liked was how you played at the end of the season. Did you feel any different there? Yeah, honestly, uh, a big thing and that was just getting healthy. Obviously, I had the, the injury I was dealing with in the early part of the season and um, took that time in, in January and February to, to get that all taken care of and um, really run into that second half of the season. So I think it was something where um, obviously we were dealing with injuries and stuff like that and um, was able to, to step up, take a step forward in my game and my development and, and really seize that opportunity. So. Um, I definitely felt out a strong finish, and I'm excited to take that momentum forward into, into camp here, competing with the guys. And, um, yeah, I really run into the start of the season. Yeah, being healthy, obviously a big key. I, I read where you had said on media day that being more athletic on the ice was something that was going to be a goal of yours this year. What have you done to get to that point? Yeah, yeah, I put a lot of work in this summer. Um, trained a little differently than I had in the past just with, having that experience from last year, seeing what I was able to have success with and really dial that all in. So um, I, I love where my body's at. I'm feeling great. Uh, I'm feeling explosive out there on the ice. And, uh, yeah, that was, that was such a big thing, just being dynamic, being athletic, as, as I mentioned the other day. And, um, yeah, being able to uh, generate and, and create separation and, and do all those things to generate offense and, um, yeah, uh, I'm really happy with where I'm at. How much did it help you, the relationship you have with your head coach, you know, going back to the, you know, Canada's world junior team, you guys won the gold, obviously. I think you beat Russia in that game, that final game. How much does it help the relationship that you had prior to being with the Coyotes and, uh, with your head, with your head coach? Yeah, yeah, having Andre in the past, having him come in here, um, it's been great. You know what to expect from him. You want everyone to compete hold such a high standard and um, knowing that coming in, having that uh, prior relationship and um, being kind of able to, to lead and, and help some of the guys and um, know what he expects was something that was, was big for me. So having Andre around, um, it's it's been awesome for me. You know, I, th- this team is going through a rebuild. Obviously, you know, Jacob wants wants to be traded. He's been here for seven or eight years. He wants to go somewhere with a chance to win. Now, you you just turned twenty two, not too long ago. We do a weekly segment with your GM Bill Armstrong, and he explained to us, you know, the importance of the draft picks and the importance of rebuilding the right way, and 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 having the players that are on board with that. Give me your thoughts on the direction of the rebuild and and how long you think it may take before the team can be competitive. Yeah, yeah. As you said, we're we're in that part of um, as an organization that that rebuild. You see what Bill's been able to do with all the draft picks, um, the the young core we've been able to build. Obviously, we got guys like Kel, Schmaltzy, as you said, Chick, um, Lawson, Kraus, lots of young guys, and um, we take a lot of pride in in that as a as a core here and. Um, as a as a rebuild, as a focus like that, um, obviously the timeline um, that'll that'll determine itself. But those guys in the room, the core we have, everyone um, takes a, a lot of pride in each and every day getting better and really building that culture. I think that's such a, a big part of the rebuild. Obviously, um, we have some great prospects. Um, that the core I mentioned, and just building that culture. That's something we stress so much um, over past last season, and and taking another step forward with that this year. 
Um, that, that's such an important part of it. So I think that's, uh, that's the main focus, um, getting better every day, building, um, and the rest will take care of itself. Barrett Hayden from the Coyotes, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, just signed a two-year contract extension the other day. I'm going to be that guy who asks you about the arena that you're going to play in for the next few years because I'm just curious from your perspective as a guy who's going to be around for it, you know, how much of it have you been able to see? How What's, what's your sense of anticipation for what's a very unique situation? How much information have you guys been able to kind of glean about what you're about to do? Because has never really been done like this before yeah yeah it's a, it's a unique situation but um honestly I, i'm really excited for i think something um that, that's so big is that that move to that tempe area um being able to tap into that population really since i've been here um we've been able to grow the game so much down here in arizona this just is, a, is another opportunity to do that and, and then playing in that arena i mean the atmosphere is going to be un, unreal i know uh Every guy's really, really excited for that. How about the name? How do you how do you feel about Mullet Arena as the name? <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah, it's it's pretty ironic um, how that all came together and, and that connection there. Uh, it's awesome. Who's going to be the first guy on the team to, to have the mullet? I don't know. I don't know. There's uh, a couple guys with some pretty good hair, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see who comes down to it first. And I, see I, it'll be. I was just going to um, ask you have coverage you, of that. Yeah, have you ever rocked one? I mean, I know you're young, but have you have you ever at any point has that ever he been? He can't a, do that at his 22 years old. He can't do well, I'm that. I'm just curious. Have you ever have you ever thought the mullet would be a good fashion statement for you? When I was younger, yeah, I, uh, growing up, I, I think in minor hockey, you, uh, do Mohawks, you do a bunch of stuff. And I think the, the one year we did mullets, but honestly, I think, uh, so many kids have like, that's, that's such a big thing. Even, uh, looking back at old pictures, um, my, my dad, he had a, a wicked one way back when. So it's, it's pretty funny hearing talking to all the guys. You're not um, getting any dates with everyone's, mullet. Everyone's had one at one point. Come on. You, and when they had one, they probably didn't get any dates, correct? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, funny. Let, let, let me let me talk about let me let me talk about your role as a, as a two way center and your ability to go up against some of the better centers in the league. Defeat. You had your most success offensively when you got pushed down to that third line. But talk about defensively, just going up against some of the best centers in the league on a regular basis and having to shut them down. Yeah, yeah, that two hundred foot game um, is such a big part of my identity I think um, it's something I've always taken a ton of pride in um, and like you said those those matchups when you're out there with um, the best players in the world um, I, I love competing against them that's that's something I've always strived for and um, yeah that's that's a big part of my game and, and having the trust of um, our coaching staff and, and my teammates and all that being out there being able to uh, hold my own there um, that's something I took a lot of pride in last year. It's something moving forward. Uh, I hope to do the same. And um, like you said, having that, that offensive production pick up at, at the end of the year, it's something where uh, I want to merge those two together and be able to take on those those matchups and, and produce at the same time. So that's a, a big goal of mine and um, something I've, I've worked hard for, but a lot of uh, focus on areas of my game where um, I can merge those those two parts and, um, and be able to really make an impact at both ends of the rink. Barrett, congratulations on the new deal. Good luck at training camp and with the season. We'll talk soon, okay? Yeah, yeah, appreciate it, guys. Talk soon. Thanks, Barrett, Barrett. Hayden from the Coyotes joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back, 
Turn our attention back to the Phoenix Suns. They're cleaning up their act. That is, if one employee reportedly has anything to say about it. We'll tell you the latest in the aftermath of the Robert Sarver decision next on the Burns and Gambo Show.